Hello, my loves, and welcome back to another episode of Tell It All, where we find hope for our struggles and have a safe place for our vulnerability. I'm your host, Doriani Godoy. Hey, guys. Welcome back to another episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in. I'm super duper excited for this episode today. I have such a good friend. He's going to come on the podcast and talk to you guys a little bit about what Jesus has done in his life and what he's still doing in his life. Um, Hi, Ryan. Hey, Dory. Thanks for having me. It's so good to have you. So I asked Ryan a question that I think I'm going to begin to just have for the rest of my, um, I would say, interviewers or people coming on, um, just because I want to give them a prompt um, and have them pray over it. So my question to Ryan what was, what was a really big thing God did in your life that forever changed your relationship with him? So Ryan, if you just want to jump in. Yeah. So what was a big thing God did in my life that changed my relationship with him? Um, there, there's a lot. So I kind of I kind of took what you asked me and I, I thought about it for a while and the answer was more simple than I wanted to admit. The truth is, the biggest thing God did for me was to show up. Mm. If, if you think about it, um, nothing can be done in absence. Mm. And and so uh, Revelation twelve eleven talks about they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And, and what I like about that is it doesn't say the, the blood of the lamb, like also known as the word of our testimony. It's two different things. Yeah. The blood of the lamb and word of our testimony. And that's important because a lot of times you ask people, what's their testimony? And they're like, oh, this is when I got saved 10 years ago. <laughs> and you're like, well, what's happened since then? Yeah. Like what's happened in the last few years? And uh, I think that's important because it's learning how to... Um, be aware of and notice the things that God's doing for us today, mm. right now. So uh, when I think of that, I think I think of three specific moments okay. that God did big things, and I'll kind of I'll kind of give you like quick okay. synopsis, and if there's anyone you want to poke at or something, go for it. Okay. But uh, I I got saved at a very 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 young age. I got saved when I was four years old, and oh, it wow. wasn't like one of those. Uh, like I was in Bible class, and they said, if you raise your hand, you get an extra animal cracker. I give you a golden star. Yeah, I give you a gold. You get extra, like, time to play. Like, no. Uh, <laughs> extra time for the playground. Like, I, don't, I don't know. Like, that feels weird, but I also feel like churches might do that. It's like, if you get saved today, you get a goldfish. I really hope not, because the kid doesn't even oh, I, know. I, I like, hope not. The whole but class just, like, raises their hand. They're like, 15 minutes extra on the playground if you give your life to I could see it. <laughs> American church is scary sometimes. This uh, is true. There's someone out there that's like, we shouldn't be giving kids goldfish for getting saved. Um, <laughs> Maybe after they do it without the yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but as a four years old, I came to my parents and I was just like, yeah, I like Jesus a lot. He is mm. the best. And I remember it very clearly. I remember being four or five, like... Um, like truly knowing and experiencing God and the Holy Spirit and learning how to pray in tongues. Like I never had like one of those moments where I like learned how to pray in tongues. I just remember being like five years old, knowing the presence of God. Um, And I think that's incredible. I think that's incredible because it shows you that God doesn't need you to be highly intelligent for you to know him. 
Because like, I, I like, really good. you meet five-year-olds who are like, they're smart for a five-year-old. You never meet five-year-olds. They're like, they're just brilliant. It's like, ah, they, they can't spell. You're like, <laughs> like, give them a couple more years. We don't know about that all um, that. But that was enough to know Jesus. And mm. I, I think about that. Like, I think about that, that thought process of am I enough to know Jesus? Mm. Yeah. You, you actually, it's, it, it, it might be the first thing you could fully grasp yeah. is Christ's love for you. That gives me chills because I think that that's like such a, like you think about it and you always think like when you get saved, you think about both of your, like you think about like adults, you know, you think about bigger, like, oh, you know, or or people like you who say, well, I got saved at five. And then they're like, one really in reality, I got saved at like 18 or whatever. But it's such a good concept to look at and say, no, I like, I was five. I didn't even know how to really read, but I knew Jesus. All right, we're back. We had to take a little bit of a break, but that's okay. Yeah, it's, it's, if, if you don't know what it's like to be wrong, I just figured it out for you. <laughs> um, it's all right. Like, you know, I've experienced better things, but it's okay. I mean, it's okay. You weren't necessarily wrong. You were just making sure. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to look at it. That's yeah. a good way to look at it. Yeah. Was making sure. Um, so, yeah, and then there's other moments in my life where like God's love was made so clear to me and like moments where either I was extremely defiant mm. where I knew God was real, but I was like, I don't care that you're real. I want what I want. Mm. Yeah. But he still pursued me. And then moments where, um, I was just really broken, but God showed up. And mm. so it seems like a generalization when you're like, what's something God, God's done that, that changed everything. The answer is he showed up. I think about when I'm like in that broken place and I don't want advice. I just want someone to sit with me. Yeah. I love that. That's how I see the Lord is, uh, he's never too much and always enough. Dang. You just wrecked my world. <laughs> it literally makes me like so emotional. I'm like tearing up just because <clears throat> I think that as we like, can, as we see a lot of like our kids nowadays, all the, you ask, like, what do you need for someone to do? And half the time their answer is for someone to show up, for someone to sit with me, for someone to include me, for someone to invite me. And um, sadly, a lot of the parents of our generation didn't show up for their kids the way they were supposed to. So a lot of wounds are, like, literally poured onto the Lord. And so kids are like, well, God's not going to show up for me because my life sucks. Instead of seeing God as like, oh, no, God is, like, walking through me like through it with me um and I think that like it's like you're so right like the best thing God has ever done for any of us is show up for us like leaving the 99 and running after the one yeah I uh yeah I I absolutely agree with that especially when you talk about like parents not being there for their children in this this um age um I was blessed 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 with parents who are very very present but what that created in me is I was unaware of people who weren't blessed with that. Mm. And so you see these, uh, and back up, we see that as American culture has really shifted to uh, families where there is no stay-at-home parent, where everyone works. And so we yeah. cut, like there's nothing wrong with that. But what happened is we cut intentional time with families out between that and then also the rise of entertainment being everything. Mm. And we didn't supplement any time for intimacy with families. Yeah. And so even if 
you know, whatever, your parents were together and y'all were at home every night. Y'all might have been home but completely isolated. Mm-hmm. And it created these giant holes. And we'll be at these, like, uh, men's conferences and things I see where they, like, have these moments where it's like, if you need, like, a hug from a stand-in father figure and, like, mm-hmm. grown grown men who like you'll see a man with like tattoos on his head it's like it's like very clear that he is a biker and if you were in the wrong bar on the wrong day he'd mess you up (laughs) is like bawling hugging like some tiny elderly man Mm. um because there's these holes that were made in people um not by abuse or intentional neglect Mm. but by absence Mm. and and while there is cases where there is more and that is prevalent I'm astonished at the amount of pain I see in people who are like, yeah, my dad was there. He just never talked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, oh my gosh, it like rocked my world that you said that because I went to the, is it Presbytery? How do you say it? Oh, Presbytery, which is really, so Presbytery is like a word we use at our church, um, which the word Presbytery means like hearing from elders, but really what it is in in practicality for us is a prophetic night. Mm Mm-hmm. There we go. Thanks for example, giving that example. Also, I forgot to say, like, you're a pastor. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, forgot to introduce you as, like, Pastor Ryan. <laughs> I, I like the way you introduced me. Okay. Uh, that was much better. Uh, yeah, I am a pastor at uh, Gateway Church in Dallas, Texas, but I like much better being introduced as my friend. That's, mm-hmm. a mu- that's much nicer. Well, you are my friend. That's the, that's the thing is why I was like, oh, well, maybe I should have said his actual profession. But, okay, moving on. So um, <clears throat> when you were saying that thing where it was like um, a hug from, a, like, one of the elders or, like, one of the fathers, mm-hmm. that was one of the nights that I had also. Um, he, like, said, like, I feel like a lot of people in this room need a hug from a parent. And, like, Lexi can tell you, when I tell you, I've never cried that hard in church in my entire life. Because the lady before also said, like, a mom thing, and it hit both of, like, my mom and my dad wounds. And I was like, oh, my gosh. But I think it's so true that, like, um, parents sometimes decide, like, well, providing is always better than showing up. And if you see, like, when I'm in therapy, like, my person will literally tell me, Dory, you could have been a happy child in a poor home if you weren't, like, if you were given love, if you were shown up for. And I think that a lot of times, sadly, like, our society um, now, because all we were done, all all parents did was provide, they didn't love. So now we're, like, materialistic, and we want all these things because we think that's what's going to fill our hearts, and then we hit a wall. Yeah, it's a, a, we want provision when what we really need is presence. Mm. I mean, I even say that's true with the way we approach God. Have you have you realized that? Like, mm-hmm. as a society, we approach God with God I need. When mm-hmm. you're trying to convince someone who's a non-practicing person about God, it's really under the context of what can God do for me, mm-hmm. and what you really just need is the presence of God. Yeah, it's it's like I, I love that. Like when he talks about like fear not, I will be with you. Not like fear not, I'll give you what you need. It's like. Yeah. Or, or when, when God introduced himself to Moses. Moses is like, who should I say sent me? Mm-hmm. And it's important because, well, yeah, but, but, but the back end is with Egypt, every God had a purpose. Every God had a thing they controlled over. And when he responded with the only time, not the only time, but when God names himself, names of I am, it's like oh, over everything. And so there's just so much in that with like, we think, whether it's our parents, 
And, and there's a reason that, that God calls his children. There's supposed to be some direct imagery and direct correlation there of we think we want provision, but we really need his presence. What we really need is intentionality. Mm. What we really need is proximity. Yeah. And so, yeah. Okay, that's cool. So I want to ask you, um, so we've definitely talked about, you know, God showing up and you, the first night that you came to like young adults, you were talking about like showing up for those who like don't have a friend and stuff like that. Um, And you also talked a lot about how, well, not a lot, you talked to me about like jumping from high school to high school and (laughs) like going out of your comfort zone. So I kind of want you to bring that in of like, um, you know, what in your heart made you feel that longing for the people who were like quote unquote left out and then what made you so confident and like and driven to kind of stand out like that and like move from one like one high school to another okay so so what Dory's referencing is my high school career is spaced over like like junior high and high school together, I think I was at like five different places. And it wasn't because my parents never made me go somewhere different and we didn't move. The rule was like if I had good grades and I wanted to go somewhere else, I could. So I was like always like time to try out this thing. Um, I think that came from two places. Um, I think there was a side of it that was negative and it was myself. And there was a side that, that was positive because God can even use things that are negative. Mm-hmm. And I think I think part of it was honestly I wanted to like seem cool okay. by being like I don't need y'all <laughs> go over here. Um, yeah, just ab- abandonment is cool. Remember that thing we were saying about presence and proximity recently. Anyways, um, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, it's like people when they're dating, they're like he's mysterious, and then they're married <laughs> and they're like I don't know him. I'm like it's because he's mysterious. It's like wasn't he mysterious from the beginning? Didn't you not know him from the beginning? <laughs> I'm just saying, he's mysterious. Anyways, um, yeah, I uh, I moved around a lot, and God kind of turned that into a way for me to minister to a lot of people and make a lot of friends, and I was really passionate about um, going after people who were alone. And the reason why is uh, I was alone. I'm so lame, I can't even express it to you. Like, I can't even... I have a good persona to I wish seem you guys like could I'm, see how not, I'm looking at him. Yeah, <laughs> and she's 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 given me the eyes that that would be directly like communicated as really, he really. He's not lame, y'all. Literally um, before we even started, he was he was he like set up the whole thing. <laughs> but hey, I would listen. I, I'm like medium now, but in high school it was like it was like I was real lame, uh, and uh, yeah, like I I had like a haircut that was so bad it was like. It was like one of those like '60s Beatles haircut, like, Yikes. like yeah, like like bangs. You but did that to yourself or your parents did? Oh that yeah, that was a decision. Like my mom mm. was just like why, and I was like because. And okay. uh, anyways, um, abandonment doesn't work when you just like look very homeschooled. Um, <laughs> you're like I'm leaving, and you're like to where? <laughs> where are you gonna go? Oh my gosh. Anyways. Uh, I was I was lame, so I spent a lot of that time really lonely, really lonely, and really waiting on the out outside, like waiting on the the edge of uh, social circumstances, waiting for somebody to engage with me. And at some point, it just clicked that maybe we're all just waiting for someone to engage with us. Like mm-hmm. there's like ten, fifteen percent of people who like are genuinely popular and liked and just outgoing like nobody's business and there's the rest of us 
who are just waiting for someone to engage with us. And I decided I wanted to be stop being the person who was waiting and start being the person who was engaging. So I just look for people who seemed lonely and bring them close because that's what I wanted. That's, yeah. that's what I wanted from people, so I became that. That's really good. And I think that <clears throat> it's been, it's shown so prevalent, prevalently in your ministry right now at Young Adults. Um, you It just continues to multiply, like, truly, and it's because you've been so, um, you've been listening to Jesus so much, and I think that Jesus knew exactly what the young adults needed is connection, a pastor who loves them, who shows up for them. Um, but I do want to ask, does it ever feel like a burden sometimes or overwhelming, like to try to always bring those people in, in the sense of like, I know you're super busy, <laughs> like you have like back to back appointments, <laughs> like coffee stuff. Um, so do you ever feel, um, overwhelmed? Like, I know that all of us want to, f- want to, oh, at least a lot of us want to love people and show up for people, but sometimes it can get overwhelming. Like, what would you say would be your like advice for that? Well, personally, I'm very outgoing. I, yeah. I, I tend to make uh, extroverts look like introverts. And uh, I don't wear that with a badge of honor. It's just the fact. Um, I probably should do less. <laughs> but I don't really ever feel overwhelmed with trying to bring people close. Uh, what, I, what I see in people a lot is we're dying to be known, but mm-hmm. desperate to keep our walls up. And what weighs on me is when I can tell someone wants to be cared for and I want to truly provide friendship, community, or show them how to get involved in that or how to pursue that because I can't be everyone's friend. Yeah. Um, but you can help facilitate things. And as a pastor, my goal is to see things move from organized to organic. Mm-hmm. So the reason whatever church you go to does groups is not so you'll stay in a group forever. Mm-hmm. It's so you'll find organic community. And while I want to walk with people along that journey, they'll push you because they're scared of if you see me, you won't want to hold me close. I don't want to let you hold me close because I'll love the feeling. Oh. And then you'll see me when you get that proximity and you'll reject me. Mm. Um, which on a joking note is hilarious because people will sit down with you and be like, you're not going to care about me after I say this. And I'm going to be like, what? And they're going to be like, I smoke weed sometimes. I'm going to be like, I know. I've been in your car before. Everyone knows. Like, every, literally everybody knows. Like, no, there is not one person who doesn't know. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> like, everyone thinks they have secrets as if those don't, like, spill out everywhere. It's like, we know. And it's funny because it's like people, people, there's still this assumption that we're expecting people to be perfect. Mm. When the truth is, we're not asking for perfection. We're asking for pursuit. Mm. And and uh, I, I, I love that Jesus, when he was talking to the disciples, he said, follow me. I love that when he was reaffirming Peter, he said, uh, feed my sheep. I love that none of it was be perfect. Mm. It was don't quit. And so it can get overwhelming when you want to love people and you can tell that they want to be loved, but they're fighting against it out of fear because you can't force people to be loved. Yeah. Cause then it's no longer love. 
it's yeah. manipulation at best. Yeah. No, I definitely <clears throat> totally can relate to that one. Um, that's always something that I, like, I remember my friend telling me, she's like, you want to be known, but you don't want people to actually know you. I, I think all of us have been there at some point. I think it, mm. I think it takes uh, at least a person, if not actually understanding God's love for you, to be like, oh, it's not about what I do, it's about who I am, and they aren't mm. the same. Yeah, that's, that's really good. What do you have in your notes? Um, my notes, so I'm a huge note taker. <laughs> I, I love books. I love, I love stationary stores. I love pens. Like, um, when I finished my degree, my dad was going to get me something, and I was like, I want a pen, a nice pen. Mm. I, like, I love writing. I love handwriting things. And so... Speaking of your degree, um, Lexi was like, <laughs> Dr. Pastor Ryan. That's yeah. what I call you from now on. You can. You can. <laughs> um, I was laughing. I was going to introduce you like that, and I forgot. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I, it's Pastor Ryan Daniel Bates, PhD. <laughs> that is so long. I know. Can you imagine someone saying that to you every time that's, they see you? That's how I want to be introduced. If I write a book, that's what's going to be on it, I think. It or should. or Reverend Ryan, Reverend Ryan Daniel Bates, PhD like one, the in one. biblical theology. It's like, man, is this the title of the book or the author? I cannot tell. You're like, dude, I I don't know. I don't know. You should put your name like really big and like the title like. The title is tiny. It's You're like, like, who even cares yeah, yeah, about yeah. the title? It's all about me right now. Yeah. Reverend Ryan Daniel Bates, PhD in biblical theology, pastor at has the church, and then like tiny, tiny at the bottom, it just says on faith. <laughs> What the freak is this thing about? And you're like, is this like um, about your life? You're like, no. Everyone would make so many assumptions about me. They they would literally just be like, he is so into himself. Oh, 100%. They would probably think it's like a story about you. And you're like, no, no, no. It's all about God. And they're like, oh, really? Um, the story of God is the story of me. Because without that story, I wouldn't be who I am. <laughs> and that's how you sound pretentious and introspective. <laughs> they're like, I mean, I guess. Who would I be if God didn't exist? Who would I be? It's like you wouldn't like it's <laughs> you wouldn't like be literally you wouldn't even be the dust. It's just there'd be nothing. You just wouldn't. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, you know, uh, yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, you can. No, no one ever calls me doctor. I don't like to like. It's not that I don't like to put it on things. It feels pretentious. But you worked for it. Y yes, but it it. I think what it is is like there's been a couple times when I went to put it on things and people were like, meh. And there's like three people maybe be like, oh. Because I don't want to be the person who's like, like I'm young. Uh, for those of you who aren't, well, this isn't on video, but you can't see me. So I have like a lot of tattoos. So I look like someone who just left like incarceration. incarceration. I don't know why people uh, keep telling you that. I don't I'm think like, that's I'm, true. I'm back into the world <laughs> And uh, I like got a buzz cut recently too. I just got out of jail. <laughs> and so it literally, it literally looks like I just got out of prison. And uh, but I also have a PhD in biblical theology. So it's yeah, Doctor Pastor Ryan Daniel Bates, inmate number one hundred and thirty-eight. <laughs> you already know your number. <laughs> it's random, but it seems good. So my notes. Um, uh, so when you ask just for like wanting to know more about my testimony and what God's done in my life, I kind of just started like jotting down different thoughts. Um, 
of either moments God's shown up for me. I went on this long spiel into like uh, the point of testimony and like how the word testimony actually just means evidence given. And I mentioned it a little bit earlier how people get confused is we think we say your testimony, we're talking about your salvation. And a lot of times we are contextually. But yeah. if we wanted to be actual for when the anytime the Bible uses the word testimony, every single time it is not talking about salvation. Every single time it is talking about giving evidence for a thing. Whether it's when the Pharisees are accusing Jesus and they're saying they're finding people to bring testimony against him. Mm. or whether it's revelation, where they overcame by testimony, is what, what has God done for you lately? Because we need to be people of gratitude. And, um, yeah, Tes- testimonies are awesome, and God is doing crazy things for you right now, wherever you are. You just probably aren't aware of it. And learning to recognize it is a skill. It's not a supernatural thing that some people can do and some people just can't. But it's a skill, and you have to learn to develop it because we're used to physical eyes and have to learn how to use supernatural eyes. Yeah, I feel like um, for me, <clears throat> uh, that's why I went and did the question because I was like, I literally felt like God told me. He was like, no, like testimony isn't, like you're not just going to like ask him what his testimony is or anyone who's coming on because that's not really like so much has happened, you know, like our testimony is forever until we die. Um, but I think that, that it's just like testimonies are so strong. And even today I was like looking at the Bible and it was saying like literally Jesus, like testimonies. And it was just like, what a thrill to have him in our lives. And I think what you were saying is like looking at him in the day to day, I have found that there is so much joy in that. There's so much joy in like looking for him and Um, looking for his um, presence in our lives and it's like the little things like the you prayed for the road to be (laughs) clear when you merged because you had anxiety and God did it that's no that's actually so awesome I literally have written in my notes um uh I'm talking about well not talking about but like I was I was thinking about cars and stuff right and uh I was, I was just thinking about how, like, a car is absolutely worthless without an engine. Like, it's absolutely mm-hmm. worthless. Like, it's dumb. Like, yeah. But 90% of, like, marketing for vehicles is not that it drives. Like, that is literally its sole pur- purpose. And 90% of marketing is either, like, it's safe and your family won't die or, like, it has Apple CarPlay and a big screen. Like, Yeah, that sells. And, 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 and the thing is, like, it doesn't matter without the engine. But the thing that moves people is, like, small features. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, Testimony doesn't matter without salvation, but it's typically the small things that make people go, I want to know more about that salvation thing. Yeah. It's typically the small things that make people be like, hey, uh, what's going on here? Mm. So. Yeah, I think my favorite question that I've heard people, that I've lately really wanted to hear people either ask me or those around me, is I always tell people, I'm like, you want people, you want people to look at you and ask what do you have that I don't in the sense of like that joy or like when you're worshiping and you you know I don't even know like you're like jumping up and down or whatever and they're like bro I love the way you worship and I think a lot of times a lot of us are afraid of like showing that 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 joy of the Lord so people don't ask because you like hide it and like what a what a gift it would be if we could all show show the joy of the Lord Absolutely. And if, if you're someone like who's very expressive, like you or me, 
um, sometimes you'll walk into like environments where the worship environment is uh, a church word would be stale, but a non-church word would be like, it's just not active. Mm. All right. It's very, very stiff in nature. It doesn't feel like you're at a celebration. It always makes me uncomfortable. I know. I know. It's supposed to be a celebration. Like it's like sometimes yeah. you want to shake people and be like, did you know, do you know we won? Did anyone tell you we won? Yeah. Um, but like, uh, I love that that's your mindset because a lot of times what I see people do is they go, oh, well, I'm just going to go somewhere where it's already the way I want it to be instead of being an mm-hmm. instrument of change. Yeah. And the thing I like to tell leaders is like, you are the lid. It, what, if, you're the, if you're a leader of a, if you are, if you're listening to this right now and you're a pastor or you're a uh, young adult leader, a student leader, if you're just a person in church who leads a bunch of groups and you view yourself as someone who's a difference maker, the level of excitement and engagement you show in worship will be the cap for anyone coming in. You mm-hmm. set what the limit is. You might not set the standard. You won't set the minimum, mm-hmm. but you'll set the limit. It'll never exceed you. Mm-hmm. If, so, if you go to a church and the pastor is not expressive, the congregation never will be because they set the limit. Yeah, that's really good. No, I definitely, and I think <clears throat> there has been such a new way of like accepting worship as like on your knees, like jumping up and down, stuff like that. And even like yesterday I went to the porch and um, I was like worshiping how I always do. And I had this girl literally turn to me and she was like, the way you worship is like inspiring, please never change. And I used to think like that about like, for example, I've told Tori and like uh, Nicole how they worship. They were like the instrument that led me to be like, oh, I'm super comfortable now doing this. And so if we continue to show show the joy of the Lord and continue to be like, it's okay to get on your knees. It's okay to jump up and down. It's okay to put your hands up because you're expressing your worship for him. Yeah, and, and people don't understand that like the, the physical has a big effect on the spiritual. It's like a Romans um, 10, 9, and 10 says, whoever believes in their heart confesses with their mouth Jesus Christ saved. That doesn't mean repeat a prayer of salvation. Like people get that confused. There is no sinner's prayer in the Bible. Like think of Jesus on the cross with the thief. You guys like, Jesus, remember me in your kingdom. And Jesus isn't like, repeat after me. <laughs> I believe. Jesus is just like, repeat the, the, after the, me. The thief is like, I believe. <laughs> like, no, it's a, what it's saying is you believe something so deeply in your heart that there is a physical expression believes internally so deeply there is a physical expression because when we have physical expressions, it affects us spiritually. Mm. And so that's, that's why we want to see people worship in a way that is expressive because mm. it will affect the way you spiritually receive. It affects the way your heart's postured. And, and if people understood that it's not a show, it's not a show, it's just that something is alive so deep inside of me that there is a mm. physical response, and that brings me closer to God. I think we'll see some cool things. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Okay, I have another question for you. Um, what would be your biggest advice for either someone who's, like, just starting up, like, their ministry, you know, like, walking into it, or someone who wants to be a pastor? What would be your biggest advice? Um, I'll give advice for this in typical pastor fashion, which is I'll give three three points. <laughs> All right, jot down everybody. Yeah. Bring out your bring notes out your, and your bring pens. out your notes. <laughs> um, commit this to memory. Uh, number one is make sure you're supposed to do it. Mm. My advice to most people who tell me they won't don't want to sorry that they want to do ministry is this: 
if there is any way, any way possible, don't do it. You do not need to be a pastor to be a minister. Being, being, being someone who ministers is a calling because you exist. Mm-hmm. Being someone who pastors is something else, and people get it confused often. They love seeing people saved, so they feel like, I should be a pastor. No, no, you should just see people saved. Yeah. <laughs> like, we should all, we're all called to that. We are all called to that. A pastoral calling is specifically to help believers minister better. Mm. A call to minister is just a human thing. Yeah. And so first is make sure, because if there's any way you can't, like you cannot do it, don't do it. But if you know that you'd be betraying something in the deepest part of you, and that if you didn't do it for the rest of your existence, you'd go, what if I did that thing? Mm. Then you're probably bound to it. And if you run from it, you'll have a very Jonah-like experience. So my, my first advice is... Be, you don't want to go into a whale's mouth. Yeah, no. <laughs> my first advice is make sure, because you don't have to be a pastor to do the word, will of the Lord and spread the word and see people saved and minister and lead. Make sure this world is full of people who wanted to be pastors and crumbled under the pressure. Mm-hmm. And the church doesn't need that. We have enough scandals. Be a, be a leader that makes your pastor so able to minister. Be a messenger of the gospel. But if you want to start a ministry or be a pastor, make sure. If you haven't fasted about it, we're fighting. <laughs> Jesus started his ministry by fasting. God started his ministry. He was baptized, then went and fasted for 40 days. Fast for three days. If if you can't hurt physically from being hungry for three days, then you will not be able to handle the pressure that that happens in spiritual warfare when you try to minister. I've never heard that advice before, <clears throat> but it's really good. Yeah, take take it. It's it's a serious calling. Don't play like it's it's not fun. It's war. I feel like a lot of people jump into it. That's why I wanted your like to you know you'll get to your other two points, but I really feel like that's such a good advice because I feel like so many people are like, oh, I just want to do this like so bad because you're excited to talk about Jesus. But I think people forget that we can, everyone can be used in a different way and it's not always to be a pastor. Yeah. A lot of people had a good student ministry experience and they're like, I want a pastor. And it's like, no, you had a lot of fun and Jesus is awesome. And those two things are great. But the, the end of that equation is not like you should pastor. The end of that equation is you should have fun in community and Jesus is awesome. Yeah. And you can always be like a leader of a group or like still be involved. Everyone should lead and everyone should see people ministered to. But not everyone should pastor because it's, it's different. If everyone pastors, then we have no one in the workplace. We have no mm. one in the stores. And that's necessary. So first is make sure. And I don't, I don't want any of you to hear that and go like, oh, Ryan doesn't want me to be a pastor. Yeah. It's, it's not that Ryan doesn't want you to be a pastor. Ryan wants you to be in the middle of God's will for your life. Mm. The other thing, much simpler, is uh, commit 100%. I can't tell you how many people who I know are called to ministry who started and then other opportunities popped up, relationship opportunities popped up, uh, travel opportunities, whatever, and they said, oh, this seems too good to be true. I'm going to sell it all. Yikes. And, and, And I would just say to that, there was a guy who was going to follow Jesus in the Bible. And he goes, can I wait and bury my father? And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Mm. And uh, 
I think I quoted that wrong. But long story short, is Jesus says, um, "No, come on." But it's good. Yeah, the, the heart <laughs> the heart of it is right. I'm like, I might have quoted that wrong, so we'll just own it's it. Okay, I normally say things wrong, so it's okay. Yeah, just own it. But the heart <laughs> of it. the heart of it's the same. Jesus said, "Come on, let's go." And that's the thing. If you're gonna commit to ministering to people, you gotta understand you are losing another right. The higher you go in leadership, the less rights you have. Because you're saying, I'm laying down what I want for the will of the Father and the good of people around me. And so you gotta commit 100%. And then finally, most importantly, is study. If Go read the Bible, go take a class, enroll in seminary, go read every book you can find on Jesus, find a mentor, because I can't tell you how many people I know who are like, I'm going to go be a pastor. And I'm like, cool. Well, what do you know? Like, what do you know about God? What are you going to tell people about God? And they're like, I don't know. I just know that I got something to say. Well, what is it? I don't know. Yikes. And it drives me insane because what happens then is, again, this is warfare. We're saying we got people who say they're generals in battle, but don't have a single bullet in the arsenal. They got no weapons and nothing to do. And they have no way to train up soldiers. And they're saying they're, they're leaders and they're generals. And the truth is, I totally, if, you, if you were sitting here and you go, you know you're called to do ministry, I totally believe in you. I'm, I am more for you than you can imagine. But you need to go get some weapons so that when, when dark forces come and try to take you down, take out the people you're ministering to. You know how to lead them, guide them, advise them, pray for them, and seek the Lord. And so you know truth. So my advice summed up, make sure it's you. Commit 100% and make sure you got some weapons because it's going to be a fight. But if you do it right, you're going to win. That was really good advice. Thank you for that. I mean, even I will take that and run with it. So what do you think was the biggest battle you've ever fought? In ministry? Me. Mm. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, I think it's, it's moments when things don't go how you thought they'd go. Mm. That's a broad net. But, but if you're doing ministry right, there's probably been a couple times where you go like, I should quit all of this. Okay. Jesus did. Jesus sat in the Garden of Gethsemane and was like, if there is any way this can be taken from me. Yeah. And uh, because, again, it's a fight. So it's a joy, but it's a fight. And, um, yeah, things, the way things don't go the way you plan for them to be. There was, there was a moment where I had kind of built and constructed my life around some stuff, and I thought it was going to go my way. And in a matter of a week, like, everything fell through. Like, one of those moments where you feel like you're on ground zero. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing left of what I thought this was going to be. And so... I, I, I took some time off, off of work, and I was like, God, I'm, I'm going to fast. And I brought a book, a book by uh, A.W. Tozer called uh, The Pursuit of God, which I highly recommend you read. Um, After I read the three other books you've given me. Have I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm big on books, guys. No, I love it. I love it. But um, I went, and I was like, God, if I don't hear from you in the next three days, uh, I'm done. Like I'm not doing ministry anymore, because I was I was I was shattered, and I, I don't feel bad about that because that wasn't me putting God on a time frame. Like God, you better speak to me in this way. 
what it was is saying, God, I'm giving three days where there is nothing I'm going to even put in my, in my space other than you. Mm. And I'm going to give these three days to you exclusively, not to food, not to TV, not to relaxing, not to phone calls from friends. It's going to be me and you for three days. And so if you got something to say, say it. I want to hear it. And it was in day two. I'm reading a book, that book, and it's talking about Abraham and how hard the walk up the mountain was to uh, sacrifice his son Isaac. Mm. You know, how he's thinking about how he's, he literally has to kill his promise. And it's talking about how that moment became symbolism for Abraham didn't spare his son, so God wouldn't spare his and save all humanity. How he, when he walked down the mountain, he walked down with a new promise, a covenant, and his promise still with him. And the Lord spoke to me so, so clearly. And he just said, if you knew how easy it would be to walk down the other side of this mountain that you're about to walk up, you would have no problem walking up it. Mm. And so uh, the hardest part is when you're let down from things you expected the best news is if you're called to it, you don't walk you don't walk through it alone. That was well, I needed to hear that today. <laughs> that was some good advice. I definitely need to hear the the mountain part. That was really good. Well, Ryan, I really appreciate everything you've shared. Do you have anything else you want to share with them? Um, not directly, um, but thank you for having me on. Dory, you're an awesome leader and what you're doing here and trying to give people a voice and a better way to know each other and themselves is absolutely stunning. Um, thank you for having me on. Thank you for giving me some space. Aww, thank you for those words. I really appreciate it. And thank you for coming on and sh sharing some wisdom with us. Every time, like everyone I told that I was going to have you on was like, that's going to be so amazing because you have had such an impact on all of us and you are a really good pastor and even better friend. Um, and we all really appreciate you for what you do for your heart, for us and for Jesus. And um, I'm really, really thankful I got to hear your heart. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget to download the episode, subscribe, and leave a rating. I'll talk to you guys on the next episode of Tell It All.